Hi, my name is Lindsay Bailey, and I'm the Injury Prevention Coordinator for the UNC Trauma Center in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and you're listening to Staying Safe While Social Distancing. Hey, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Today's episode is going to be focused around a very wonderful and kind gentleman who I had the pleasure of interviewing with the American Red Cross. The American Red Cross is one of our many fantastic community partners with the UNC Trauma Center and our Safe Kids Coalitions. And it was really interesting to me when we first started working together because when I think about the Red Cross, I always just think about donating blood. That's my thoughts when it comes to the Red Cross. And of course, you know, when I was younger and getting a life, becoming a lifeguard and getting my certification, I did my CPR through the Red Cross. So those are the things that typically come to mind. But as you're going to hear on this podcast, the Red Cross does so much more to support communities than, you know, some people even realize. For example, um, there, what Michael is going to be talking to us about today is some of the relief, disaster relief services that they provide. Um, and a lot of times when that happens, you know, it's centered around if someone has a house fire, and I know this through our work with the coalition, the Red Cross will work to get the money just to stay in a hotel because sometimes people don't have those resources. When their house is on fire and they have nowhere to stay, they may not have anywhere to go. So the Red Cross uses funding to help people find shelter and get the supplies that they need when they are in, in crisis. Um, and then there's also the kind of mental health piece where when people are, when you're coordinating with someone and helping them through a disaster as a volunteer, like Michael has been for many years, which you'll hear him talk about, those people need not only the financial support and the resources, but they also need some of the mental health support. So though this is the COVID-19 pandemic is not your typical disaster, um, of course, this is the pandemic is a disaster in its own right. So he's going to be sharing with us some mental health tips, some different resources folks can access, and just kind of his take on what this pandemic has done to the mental health of some of our, our community members. So I hope that you um, enjoy this episode. I hope you get something out of it. And please share what you hear with those um, in your community that you may be concerned about. And of course, if you have any questions, I'd love to start hearing from people. Please message me um, on the podcast message option. And if you have any ideas for episodes in the future, I'd love to hear those too. Thank you so much. And I'll cut to the interview. We have Michael Brown here today. He's gonna, he is a volunteer with the Red Cross. Michael, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Sure. So, Michael, first and foremost, I always like to give people the opportunity to kind of introduce themselves and what's, you know, give us a little bit of an explanation of what you do as a volunteer for the Red Cross. Okay. Well, I'm a disaster volunteer for the Red Cross, and um, this is my 20th year as a volunteer, and I have done a number of things in disaster. My background is as a psychologist, so part of what I've done with the Red Cross is what we call disaster mental health or crisis counseling um, during a disaster. And um, I've also done some other things, working in shelters, working with local governments, and responding to um, home fires with the Red Cross. Fantastic. 20 years is a long time. Um, so with that said, um, can you tell me, you know, 
I know you're working with folks while they're social distancing. Can you tell us a little bit about how social distancing is affecting people and your, you know, kind of expert opinion? Well, sure. I think in a, in a couple of ways, one of the big ones, of course, is that this really disrupts people's routines. And for the most part, we like routine. It gives us some predictability. It gives us some comfort. And when all of a sudden we are staying at home, we're having to educate our kids, we're having to work from home, or we don't have a job for now, um, that's really challenging. And I think the other piece, and we're kind of in that area right now where there's a lot of uncertainty about what this pandemic is and um, uh, when we're going to have less uh, requirements for social distancing. So I think that makes people kind of generally anxious too. Sure, yes. Anxiety um, has definitely, you know, been cropping up in all kinds of ways and kind of showing itself and some of the injuries we're seeing um, at the trauma center. What would you say some of the reactions you've seen to the social distancing piece and how the stay-at-home order is is making people act? Okay, sure. And, and, you know, one of the things I want to say at the outset is that that most of the reactions that people are having are really normal reactions. They're reactions you would expect people to have, um, as we kind of like to say, they're normal reactions to an abnormal situation. And this is clearly an abnormal situation. So um, what are what are some of the things that um, uh, people are concerned about? Of course, we mentioned anxiety, and that's made worse by being separated um, from their loved ones or their friends. And I think a lot of that anxiety is, um, leading to uncertainty. So uncertainty about how long we're going to have to be doing this sheltering. Um, am I going to have enough supplies? Most people know the big toilet paper shortage, right? And of course, toilet paper has little to do with this COVID-19. But when people um, are worried about how we're going to get through something that's new to us, a lot of times that becomes one of their real concerns. Certainly there are a lot Absolutely. So, you know, I think that some of the other feelings that people have is some people are feeling guilty because they feel like they're not able to fulfill their responsibilities as well as they should, whether that's work responsibilities or parenting or caring for other people in their family. And um, when you kind of add all this up, it it can be emotionally distressing for folks. Finally, let me mention just one other one is that um, a lot of a lot of people are feeling bored, feeling isolated right now, kind of disconnected um, from their friends and their family as well. So all of these are commonly experienced feelings and they're normal feelings to have in the situation that we're in. Absolutely, yes. And I mean I think you can kind of see it too as we're as we're recording this, it's you know, towards the end of April and, you know, we're getting to that point where people have been doing this for a while and you can just tell that people are ready for this to end and ready to, for life to go back to normal. And I think 
the fact that we don't know what normal is going to look like even when the stay-at-home order is lifted or as it's slowly lifted in North Carolina, you know, we have our phases. So, um, you know, I think it's important that people remember that we are not just going to be back to normal, which is hard to think about too. Um, and that, with that said, what are some coping tips you might suggest for those who are, you know, feeling that anxiety of the unknown? Sure. Well, I think one of the things is to try to stay connected to people uh, as much as you can. Um, I know some folks have thought, well, if I contact people, am I being a pest? Or some folks have thought um, about, do I need to schedule time with people? I, I think it would be really good for folks if you can do phone calls or texts or um, social media connection with people. Uh, I know that folks are using um, video chat. I think that's really important to stay in touch with family and friends, even if it's only a couple of times a week that you do that, because um, it does help you stay connected and stay grounded. So. That's really useful. I mentioned social media. Social media can be really helpful for you, too. Mm -hmm. You can kind of catch up with what's going on with friends. Now, the downside of that is that sometimes it can um, uh, add information that's inaccurate, or sometimes people can see more bad news than they really want to see. So I think it's really good to moderate your social media. Um, most of my social media is um, positive, and I enjoy seeing what my friends are doing. And I think for some people that can work out really well, too. Agreed. I mean, there's so many, um, you know, there's some things, like, that you see on your, you know, your Facebook news feed, or at least I know that there's people that post kind of, like, funny themes or, you know, kind of, like, fun anecdotes, which I love seeing. And then there's the, the stressful articles and the opinion pieces that right. may not jive with your opinion, and that is kind of hard to, to digest. So I've, I've actually unfollowed some people, not because I don't love them, but because I just don't want to see some of their content. And, you know, sure. when, when this ends, I will be happy to refollow their resubscribe to their feed, but, you know, in the meantime, I think it's important for people to, you know, be cognizant of what um, what they want to consume and, and, you know, realize that you don't have to consume everything that everybody's putting out. Yeah, and, and, and I think that applies to watching TV news. You know, sure. a little bit of news is great and keeps you up with things, but if you watch hour upon hour of sort of what has turned a lot into a vitriolic political kind of contest, I don't think that helps um, your anxiety level. I agree. And now kids, you know, small children or, you know, young adolescents may not be watching the news um, as much as maybe their their parents or, you know, the adults in their home. So, but, you know, they have their own kind of anxiety and stressors around the situation, maybe not understanding it as well and also don't necessarily have the cognitive maturity to kind of get why we're doing what we're doing. So can you give us some tips for how parents can maybe help their children during this time? Well, sure. I, I, I think that real quick, the TV news, kids may not be watching news on their own, but, again, if we're watching it, then kids are paying attention. So um, we would make this recommendation on any kind of disaster. I would limit the amount of time that your kids spend um, 
watching the news um, because I do think for especially younger kids, seeing it over and over and over again really is a stressful kind of thing for them. Um, generally, for kids, I think it's important to try to keep some structure and routine. Kids really like structure and routine, so um, it's tempting. I know that um, for a while I was staying up real late and I was sleeping late, and that's tempting to sort of do that, but in the long run, for kids especially, sticking to bedtime, having meals at regular times, having some regular exercise, those are really important for kids. Um, sure. Especially um, giving them some activities to do, whether you go outside and walk um, uh, around the block or whether you have some organized games if you have more than one kid at home. That can be really good for kids. Absolutely. Yeah, um, it's a, a hard time. It's true. And and I'll say sleep is really important for everybody. That's parents and kids alike because the more sleep you get, the better yeah. you feel. And that's an important kind of thing. You know, you also mentioned, Lindsay, about kids may not understand what's going on. And um, some kids will ask you and some kids may not ask you um, or share their fears with you. But I think it's important that if your kids have questions that give them answers as best you can, but make sure that they're not too complicated answers. Um, you sure. know, that um, they're simple and direct. You don't have to over answer. A lot of times when kids will ask me a question, I'll say, well, tell me what you'd like to know about that or tell me what concerns you about that. Um, um, there's a old story that says a child says to his mother, where do I come from? And the mother goes, oh, my gosh, this is the birds and bees question. And she goes into the big, long, <laughs> elaborate thing. And sure. the child says, well, that's great, but, but Cindy said she's from Toledo. Where am I from? Where do I come from? So <laughs> make sure we know what kids are really trying to ask us before we answer it. And then yeah, I, I, I'd sense. like to say one other thing, too, is that when we're all cooped up, everybody can be on the edge. Everybody can be anxious. So I think this is a time to really call on our patients and to really recognize that, um, that when people are stressed, and that includes kids, they're expressing their feelings a lot of times, but they're not being mean necessarily. And so when we're feeling stressed or when we feel like we want to discipline, I think the important thing is to look at discipline as um, teaching or looking at discipline as trying to help kids resolve their feelings and not that they're bad kids that need to be punished. Sure. That all makes sense. Well, what are some resources that you would recommend um, that parents can access for children or maybe just things that people can access for themselves as adults that can help them, you know, kind of work through these issues that we're discussing? Okay. Well, I, I do think that there are lots and lots of agencies and groups that are posting suggestions and resources online. Um, I'll give you a couple of, of ideas. Uh, 
for the Red Cross, and that's at redcross.org. We have an entire section on dealing with the coronavirus, but there are things such as what are some activities that you can do from home with your kids, for example. Um, NC State, their 4-H does a daily um, activity program for kids at 1030 every day, for example, that you can tune in on their Facebook That's live. Awesome. So there are a lot of those kind of things going on that sometimes just a minute or two looking at um, at Google can, can help you with. Um, I do want to mention that um, if you're feeling uh, really stressed, that there are a couple of resources that, that you can connect to um, in the um, the triangle area, the Alliance Behavioral Healthcare Access Line is 800-510-9132. And um, Alliance Behavioral Healthcare is the um, uh, local behavioral healthcare provider. So they have a 24-hour line that you can get assistance with. There's also a crisis, national crisis text line. And you can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741 and um, connect with a crisis counselor via text. So um, those are a couple of good resources that people can look into. For sure. And I'll make sure to post in the episode description um, so that anyone listening, I'll make sure that all of those are posted in the episode description so you can easily access them that way in case you didn't have a pen with you. Oh, good, good. And I'll, I'll give you a couple more to post up there as well. Cool. All right. Well, those are, you've made some really excellent points and we so appreciate, I mean, volunteering the past 20 years, you've been, you've really been put your time in. So we so appreciate having people like you in our state and people like you who are trying to work to make our lives easier and better and, being there for people during disasters and crises like this. So thank you so much, Mike. Is, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, no, I think the, the, the thing to keep in mind is that, um, that this is a difficult time to be patient, to cut yourself some slack and cut other people some slack, and um, to recognize that as things evolve, um, things will change. But for the most part, things are going to get better. Thank you so much for listening today to the Staying Safe While Social Distancing podcast from UNC Trauma Center. For more injury prevention tips, please visit tarheeltrauma.org.